0: Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the
1: man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise.
2: The era... Of the E.C. Double. Oh, me close, don't
0: let me go. More than work. Oh, my God! I ever
2: needed you to show. This is the Queen of Extreme Freight scene. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling? Get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance.
1: A close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the Just a Connection Podcast Network listeners Welcome to the most extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience On the very extreme 69th episode of ECW Extreme 3-Way <laughs> Dance I'm JT, joining me as always are Jenny and Matt, how are you guys doing?
2: 69 in a 3-Way
1: A lot going on It's maybe the most extreme we've ever been.
2: I would Mm. say so. Possible.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, possible. Uh, So listen, we got uh, four weeks of TV here tonight. It's going to take us right up to the doorstep of crossing the line again, 1997. We're in early 1997. Our last episode, we closed out in 96, which is our third calendar year. So we're into our fourth year here on the podcast, which is exciting. A lot of stuff happening. We're just months away from the first ever pay-per-view for ECW. So that'll be fun to talk about the build to that. We also have some very interesting stuff coming up as far as extra exposure when it comes to the WF and ECW. That'll be coming in a couple episodes as well. Guys excited to get into 97? Yes, sir. Can't wait. All right, let's roll. January 7th, 1997, we open up with a very emotional video about Terry Funk's return to the company and November to remember, or November, easy for me to say, November to remember with highlights and uh, hypes the start of his final run, which begins this Saturday night in the ECW Arena against Brian Lee. Opening animation starts. We get cut off halfway through, though, by the Blue World Order, and we get a long music video about them taking over, which I thought, again, was well done. Mm -hmm. They've really been kind of ripping from the uh, NWO on a lot of this, so. Brings us to our opening match, and that is Axel Rotten taking on Big Stevie Cool himself, Stevie Richards. And this episode takes place from the Webster Town Hall in Webster, Massachusetts. And Matt, just a couple weeks ago, you and I were there for a very special uh, live event, which is a lot of fun, of course. Yes, sir. Hell of a time. Got to check out this uh, little town hall back in 97, and I think it pretty much looks the same in 2022. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Cool spot for wrestling, though. Very old school, mm-hmm. uh, cl- colonial era building. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Axel's Axel's marching out. Joey welcomes us in. He sets the stage for a night ahead, including a very angry Axel after he was recently cost a match by the BWO. Joey brings up the whispers about Taz's shoulder that we heard about last week and says we'll have a tag team belt ceremony tonight with the Eliminators and their trainer, Killer Kowalski. Of course, Kowalski is a... Uh, Well known Massachusetts legend, uh, wrestling legend, and from the area had a training school. Of course, our buddy John Walters trained with Kilowski as well as Triple H. So, and the Eliminators. The BWO emerged from the upper balcony, come through the crowd who uh, loved them. What a sudden goldmine this group Mm. is. Mm -hmm. Joey says the BWO is the fastest selling t shirt in ECW history. Ron attacks from behind, hits a neckbreaker, stalks Meanie. Ron grabs a chair, chokes away at Stevie in the ring, talking shit. Stevie comes back with a flurry of punches and shoves his crotch in his face. Joey says Stevie is not the same clueless putts from two years ago. Axel kicks a chair into Stevie's face, drops an elbow, and clubs away. Axel keeps hammering until Stevie hits a kick to the nuts and then headbutts him low again for two. Axel battles back and hits his own low kick and headbutt to the groin. Joey calls Stevie shorts coochie cutters, but says <laughs> that he stepped to the plate to become a star. Stevie gets two on an emerald cutter and then tries a Stevie kick, but Axel blocks it, gets a clothesline. Axel puts Stevie down and covers him, but picks him up at two. Stevie comes back by flipping out of a power bomb and finishing with the Stevie kick. Not much here. Just a match to keep showing Stevie is becoming more legit and less of a joke, even though Axel had him beat, which was kind of kind of productive. Uh, the BWO is super over and on a roll. This match though, Jenny, not much going on. I want to star in three quarters.
2: I don't know. I think I like, well, I know I like uh, Axel more than you guys, but mm. I think this may have been one of his better matches. I thought he was, I don't know. I thought he was good. I thought Stevie and he had a lot of good chemistry and, um the crowd is all in on them and all in on bwo as you said we got some t-shirt sightings in the crowd um so that's always good to see and i kind of went two and one quarter stars matt
0: yeah uh i went two on it it was fairly basic but it was uh was good enough i mean fairly standard ECW House Show Fair here. Uh, if that's true, what Joey said about the BWO shirt being the hottest selling shirt in ECW history—that's kind of fucking wild to think about. When you think about everybody who's gone through ECW, your, you know, Cactus Jack, Rey Mysterio, mm-hmm. all those guys—like, kind of wild that the BWO is number one. But uh, yeah, I mean, they are molten hot right now off the heels of the NWO stuff, so it does make sense. But uh, yeah, a uh, perfectly solid stuff here. Basic, but uh, good enough. It, it kind of felt to me like maybe this was like the opener of the show. It right. And it had kind of had that feel to me. So, uh, yeah, two stars for me.
2: Maybe everything's fancier to me in this fancy Webster
0: <laughs> Hall. It mm. could be. This is true. Yeah.
2: Was a history of colonial people wrestling.
1: Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Joey talks with the rumors of Taz's injured shoulder, which may have happened at the hands of Aubrey D in their match at the arena. Joey runs through the hints again. Fonzie tells Uh, which include Fonzie telling a security guard to watch Taz's arm as they answer to a match. Taz refusing to compete at King of the Hill. And again here tonight, uh, plus him taunting Sabu with just one arm. So all these clips and hints, Joey continues to piece together. Jenny, you feeling any better about this? I know you weren't a fan last episode.
2: (laughs) I don't know. It's still kind of (laughs) weird. I don't
1: know.
2: Um, I, I don't hate it. It's just, it's just odd. Like, Y'all know if he is injured or not I don't, I don't know like, Just pick a, pick a land and run with it
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean now listen You said Webster You joke like it's not colonial But it was <laughs> settled in 1713 mm. And incorporated in 1832
2: Okay well Did they have wrestling there though? Uh,
1: they have a town administrator They have a board of selectmen
2: Did they wrestle each other?
1: Yeah, honest Abe wrestled
0: uh, Hacken Schmidt <laughs> there, and
2: <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> when do we start writing Abe Lincoln matches?
1: Oh God, oh. I don't know if there's any footage of that around.
2: Oh uh, yeah, shit.
1: Retired legendary professional wrestler Betty Boucher was born there in 1943. So oh. was that was that Bobby's grandmother? <laughs> yes, 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 it was. <laughs> uh, anyway don't just the legendary colonial I'm the town hall
2: I'm not I love it I think it looks awesome <laughs> Mhm
1: Mhm <laughs> It was built in 1927 So
2: well, it's not haunted.
1: exactly a colonial It's haunted
2: really. for sure y'all Y'all like like you know, y'all yeah. didn't get possessed or something
1: No maybe. yeah maybe maybe, yeah, maybe I yet.
0: did yeah. yeah it takes time
1: Are right, we going to clip package covering a bunch of the action in Webster Bubba Ray brawling with Devon Pitbull 2 stalking Gertner Douglas uh, battling Dreamer, a huge pop for the Eliminators in their hometown as they came back as champions. Maybe that's why they rushed this. They wanted him to come to, you know, we Mm. talked about why they rushed the belts back on them. Maybe it was for this coming back home. Yeah. The Eliminators took on Bubba and Spike. We get a decent amount of that match with the Dudleys getting a bunch of offense. But the Eliminators are just too hot right now. Uh, Joey then talks about ECW's return to New England, says it had great fan response, and the highlight was Killer Kowalski presenting the eliminators with a brand new set of ECW tag team titles, and Joey hypes up Kowalski as one of the original hardcore legends. So any thought about the Webster highlight package, Matt, and then uh, Kowalski's presentation of the belts?
0: Yeah, uh, just uh, I thought the Eliminators Dudley <laughs> Dudley's match looked super fun. I, I kind of <laughs> wish I kind of wish we would have seen the whole thing here. I think mm-hmm. that would have been uh, that would have been really cool. And I mean, it, it's uh, certainly a neat moment with Killer Kowalski giving the belts to the Elims. I thought that was really uh, really cool and really well done, given Kowalski's history with uh, both Eliminators. So yeah, and that's a good point you brought up. Maybe that is why <laughs> they did the title switch when they did, so they could right. have this type of stuff that makes. Perfect sense to me now. So but yeah, uh cool stuff here, Jenny.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um have we seen the Eliminators wrestle the Dudleys before? I was trying to think back, but
1: It I may have at some it. point, but no, yeah, it did feel kinda of fresh.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. super fresh, I thought, and cool. Like <laughs> why? <laughs> why do I like <laughs> this combination of Dudleys? I don't know, it's all of a sudden hitting for me, but um maybe it's because a lot of their Bullshit is kind of in the past, and they're all big boys now, apparently. Um, I like the new belts, too. They look Mm -hmm. look neat. Um, Didn't get a good look at them, but um, it is nice to see the, the Eliminators with the belts again. And cool that they got presented by their trainer. So I thought it was very poignant.
1: Joel Gurn is in Hype Central. He brings in Chris Candido for a chat. Candido talks some condescending shit on Louis Piccoli. Kind of just his usual rambling. And he even brings up their past to the Dirty F when they were, of course, Skip and Rad Radford working together. Uh, which I thought was a nice touch. So that was kind of just there.
2: Joel says, the love juices that curdle through your loins.
0: <laughs> that, that made me very uncomfortable.
2: That curdling! is it's the hard part of that
0: that's that's not a word you say when you talk about those things
2: <laughs> right talk about right. love juices
0: god good lord makes it sound like the juices have been there a while <laughs>
1: uh, uh, <laughs> well for some they have guess uh, yeah. i mean yeah. all right up next we do have a very weird match on paper it's primetime brian lee takes on hollywood nova some big implications here with all the bwo stuff blowing up starting to annoy raven Nova has Meany and Stevie with him as Lee powers down. Uh, Before they lock up, Stevie grabs a mic and says he wants to talk business first. Stevie brings up King of the Hill, says it was every man for themselves, and Lee did eliminate the whole BWO. He admits Lee was the better man that night and says he was looking out for himself more than others, though, on top of it. Lee's roots should be the same as the BWO. Raven's top hitman, member of the nest, King of the Hill's done, everyone should be friends, and Lee should just join the BWO if he wants to. Nova offers Lee the Mega Powers handshake, but Lee grabs his neck instead and just slings him across the ring. Lee then swats Nova down, knocks down Stevie, and finishes Nova with the primetime slam. Complete squash, uh, but maybe just illuminating some potential ongoing issues in the nest, Matt. So I want half a star here.
0: Yeah, uh, complete and total squash. I'm right there with you on the rating, half star for me. Uh, man in the crowd wearing a Drew Bledsoe jersey popped me. I'll say that mm-hmm. uh, the, the old school 1990s uh, uh, Patriots jersey. I will always uh, pop for that. But uh, I, I was more invested in that guy than I was in the match because <laughs> the match was absolutely nothing. There's just not much here. And uh, uh, the best part of the match was Joey saying "Blue Dozer Brian Lee," and which <laughs> which uh, which uh, killed me. So. Uh, uh, uh yeah uh, fine segment for a house show half a star jenny
2: i don't know i thought it was interesting um Stevie really feeling himself as the leader of the stable kind of bold of him to to be trying to to court brandley i don't i don't know if it's sincere just to try to get out of an ass whooping from their team but um it it seems like he's starting to um, get a little more confident and more of a leadership role than just being Raven's flunky. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that and I gave it three quarter stars. Kowalski's
1: backstage jokes be being proud of his career, but before he can say more, Brian Lee comes in and jokes him out <laughs> and issues a warning to Funk saying he is a legend killer. Uh, I think this a pretty good use of Kowalski. He's always good for this kind of stuff. Yep, I would agree there.
2: I don't know that I've ever seen the man before, but I will say <laughs> he, took, he took the joke like a champ.
1: We'll have to show you my interview of him from uh, the yeah, please uh, do. fundraiser show that happened in my college mm-hmm. from a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Illuminators are backstage. They're pacing. They're angry about what just happened, beating up a 74-year-old legend. And they have intercepted this message. They never took anything personal until now, but Lee and Kidito have an ass-kicking coming. Raven's Boston in- ass kicking. Yes, a Boston mm-hmm. ass kicking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Raven's in the ring. He talks down Sandman, says he's the better man, the better father, and wrestler. And that's why Laurie and Tyler left him. He's a champion. And he demands Sandman bring his belt. Sandman obliges, he comes flying in, and they start a brawling. Sandman smashes him around. Sandman's all over him with hard right hands, pounding away, busting Raven open. Raven baits him in and knocks him down and then grabs his belt and nails Sandman with it and spikes him into it. Raven taunts Sandman and keeps smashing him into the belt They spill into the crowd and brawl through the chairs Raven suplexes Sandman Through a concession table Merch flies everywhere, he spikes the table on him They fight up a set of back stairs to the balcony Into the crowd And then into the BWO locker room Where all the members are hanging out Raven shoves Stevie down and walks to the crowd Joey says Raven's ungrateful Stevie has saved his title countless times on his behalf Sandman emerges from the locker room And now he has a BWO shirt on (laughs) raven's mauling them uh, they head back down the stairs to the lower level to the lobby and eventually to the ring they slug back and forth both bloodied and exhausted finally they collapse and we fade out to end the show as joey wonders how sandman got this shirt uh and that wraps up our episode i i don't know i thought it was like a little force of um is sandman in the bwo why does he have that shirt on <laughs> and i don't know if they were like mocking the nwo stuff or if they're really trying to push this as an angle uh or was it just like Trying to be funny like they're in there and they threw Him the shirt to put on or whatever um, So I don't know It was it was a good brawl that part was a little confusing But they're clearly trying to push The BWO up into the main event scene mm-hmm. What do you think Jen?
2: I, I kind of super Fucking like this like mm-hmm. I'm like why Didn't we rate this because we got to see Most of it um, I don't guess I ended up rating it after all but I really like this and I think it was More of a rib uh, to put mm. the shirt on him because he, he kind of burst through the door and he's wearing the shirt. It's kind of a great moment. Um, like you said, confusing, but kind of in a fun way. Um, I really like how they go all the way upstairs. They're showing the landings. They're showing the shitty-ass locker room. Um, they, you just get to see a ton of the building, which I kind of pop for. They have these old chairs, I think, from the 1817s, <laughs> uh in the crowd. Like, these these look worse than regular folding chairs at at matches. Mm-hmm. Like they look terribly uncomfortable. But um, Sam Man takes a fucking brutal beating, um, and I kind of enjoyed it. And I like them fading to black and us kind of knowing what the hell's happening. Matt.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I like the brawl overall, but I I did think, like you, it was kind of weird. Like it it felt like you know kind of like a house show type of thing like it wasn't really a match it was just kind of a brawl that happened and it was long it ate up like I don't know 10-15 minutes of this episode it was a long uh, brawl and then uh, uh, the way it just ended uh, I, I don't know I felt like it ended at a weird time where they just kind of collapse and oh that's it we're out of time I don't know I thought that was kind of a weird way to end the, the episode and the BWO stuff yeah I I, I think the intention was more to uh, just kind of bring the BWO up to like main event status. Like I, I kind of think that's what they were going for. And I mean, with the BWO being as popular as they are, I, I, it does make sense. But I don't know if this was necessarily the right way to do it. I mean, it it, it was a good brawl, but uh, I don't know. I also just, uh, I'm still kind of weirded out. Like I said, last episode by uh, the fact that the Raven Sandman thing is still going on. Uh, It's just, uh, I don't know. I I feel like the barbed wire match kind of should have been it, but Mm -hmm. You know, I I just think what we're doing here is just it's dragging on a bit too long, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good brawl, but uh, I I don't know. I I left this feeling kind of disappointed, even though I like the brawl, which is a weird thing to say, but that's just kind of where I'm at.
1: (laughs) All right, let's wrap up with our awards for this episode. Uh, Best match I went with, I guess, Richards and Rotten. It depends if I guess if we're counting (laughs) Sandman and Raven as a match or more of a brawl.
2: I guess. Yeah, more of a brawl.
1: Yeah. Uh, worst match: Nova Lee. Yep. yep. Uh, best moment: Kowalski uh, presenting the eliminators and new titles. I thought was pretty cool.
2: I liked that a lot.
1: Yep. Most nineties: uh, Funk's final run, <laughs> which is <very laughs> I've most been most all good. right. Yeah, <laughs> and then the reference of uh, Skip and Rad Radford from <laughs> Uh Man in Drew Bledsoe jersey. Yes, that too. <laughs> Stock rising. I went the BWO Eliminators uh, Lee and Raven. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Okay.
1: And stock falling. Axel. Yes. Well, yeah, that makes sense. All right, final grade. I, I, I just kind of another down episode. The the closing segment was good. The rest, it just feels like we're in a weird filler stretch right now. Yep. Um, and coming off the last episode, which was really down, I thought this was a slightly better. So I went four out of ten.
0: I'm right there with you. Four out of ten. It's We're stuck in this weird filler house show limbo, mm. and I, I, I don't
1: like it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm, I don't know. Maybe I like house shows more than you guys. Um, I'm going to do five out of ten.
1: Well, it feels like they haven't had an arena show, I guess, since December 7th. So right. they just kind of ran out of shit to show from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they were having it this upcoming weekend, right? On the 11th. So it's like they just mm-hmm. were running out of stuff. But, um, all right, well, let's move ahead a week. Now we are now post that big arena show on the 11th, January 14th, 1997. We open with Ricky Morin and Tommy rich coming to the ring. Jeez. Uh, yeah. nowhere. We get a voiceover from Polly dangerously saying, don't worry. This is not the American wrestling Federation. These two will be taken to the extreme. <laughs> And that seems to be true because they'll be taking on the gangsters. What, uh, what a match. What, <laughs> what a, a match. Weird fucking match. <laughs>
2: my first note oh my. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the gangsters come out and they just start mashing these legends with more <laughs> uh, Morton takes some nasty shots, but he gets into the fun. He brings it right, right back at New Jack using a frying pan. Mustafa is just mauling Tommy Rich on the floor. Jack and Morton head into the crowd to the bleachers. Chaos. They end up back in the ring. Just a pure street fight, all strikes and weapon shots. Rich takes a wild chair shot to the head by New Jack coming off the top to finish things off. Just a novelty match, I guess. Uh, usual gangsters plunder ship. They get a win over the legends. Pretty cool to see them settling in this setting, I guess, but it could have been anyone. We didn't need see these guys almost die for no reason. Uh, so Matt went a star in three quarters. <laughs> What, what a weird fucking thing this was. Yeah. I couldn't
0: believe what I was watching when I saw this. It was odd.
1: It was and very what,
0: odd. Good lord. You, Ricky Morton hit, a, hit New Jack with a fucking frying pan. and you told me that happened, I would have called you crazy. Good lord. I went two stars for the sheer novelty of this fucking thing. It was chaos. It was, it's, I still don't know if it's really happened or if it was like a fever dream or something. Good lord, Jenny.
2: Now that y'all told me what a novelty Match is <laughs> uh, I'm not to Bump my grade up <laughs> Because it was so Fucking random <laughs> And I have no notes Because I didn't know what to say And I, I just said well that was something Um and There was some post match uh, fuckery That I was kind of into uh, With the gangsters but uh, I mean I feel like People should just watch this just for fun
1: mm.
2: Two stars,
1: I guess. I guess. Joey's in the nest. He says the gangsters want their belts back. We find out Rich and Morton had a big (laughs) argument after the match. We get clips of Morton attacking Rich to shut him up, and they end up having a bloody street brawl, which Rich <laughs> won after Morton missed a charging knee. Style says we'll hear more from both guys in the coming weeks, so I guess these guys are sticking around. <laughs> Good God!
2: They uh, had this match just so they could turn each turn on each other. At the right,
1: end. right. It's it's insanity.
2: It's great.
1: We then get more talk from Joey about Taz's potential shoulder injury. He says they have sent a satellite camera crew to the Team Taz dojo to dig in. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the dojo. The camera crew arrives. They knock on the door and there's training going on. Someone opens the door and tells the cameraman to book it. The cameraman starts to leave. But then the guy comes back and says, no, no, Taz actually will grant the interview. So head on in. We go into Taz's office and Joey's via satellite. And he asks Taz why he hasn't wrestled his mat in a match since he fought RVD. Sabu got to go to Japan and sit out a month, and he's the glory boy, so why can't he do the same? He said he decided to sit out and rest until Sabu decides to wrestle him. Then he'll get back in the ring. Joey asks with the shoulder, and Taz says yes, it's true. He has a severe shoulder injury. Taz says he hurt the shoulder three years ago at a judo tournament. It's an old injury that keeps creeping up now and then because he's a high-level athlete that trains every day he doesn't just sit around drinking beer and eating popcorn joey asks why taz hates rvd so much if he didn't injure him taz says it just doesn't like him he's a pretty boy trying to make a name in taz's house on his name and he has to pay his dues get a haircut and train beyond his goofy kung fu tai chi taz is the ultimate wrestler no pretty boy smart ass bitch like rvd can take him down Joey asks when he'll be back to demonstrate his skills, and Taz says next week he'll demonstrate his skills. He tells Joey never to come to the dojo uninvited again, or he'll tear his head off. Uh, I thought this was awesome stuff from Taz, as always. Just great at being an asshole, but also really good at talking and just, like, pushing this stuff along. Uh, and we kind of get the payoff to these three weeks of killing time while he's rehabbing the shoulder. I thought they did a good job of playing it out to uh, to eat up the, the break for him. What would you think, Jenny?
2: Yeah, he talks himself right back into working. I thought he was going to mm-hmm. take some time off. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, if Sabu can go travel, I'm going to come sit in my dojo. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> and then, I, I mean, I, I don't think RVD is a pretty boy. Uh, I, I don't know that I would use that term to describe him. Do you guys feel like RVD is a pretty boy? Uh, in the world of
1: ECW, he probably is the pretty boy. Yeah. Is and, it because I mean, of the hair? I Probably, yeah. <laughs>
2: computer, think in,
1: in ECW, he's not the prettiest boy.
2: I don't think so. No, like, I just never like who's better.
1: Who's the pretty boy? Dreamer?
2: Um, I think Stevie's kind of pretty, but that's a lot of hair. Mm. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say that anybody, in okay, ECW, <laughs> but, you know, just given what it is, but anyway, um, that took me out a little bit. Um, I did like him saying. You know, never come back to my dojo <laughs> after he sort of had decided whether he was going to let him in to begin the interview or not. So, is anybody, when it says via satellite, I just imagine like it's <laughs> like Taz is looking at a giant satellite dish. <laughs> like Joey's voice is like booming out of the satellite. Okay. I, know,
1: I don't think it's quite that. I think it's probably not. They probably just had like audio of Joey though playing, I would think. Right. Or a tiny monitor that they were holding with Joey being there.
2: That's even better,
1: I think. Yeah. Or, honestly, it was probably nothing and Taz was just talking.
0: That's what
1: I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's probably more
1: accurate. Because it's not really a naturally flowing conversation.
2: No. <laughs>
1: uh, Matt, any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh,
0: I enjoyed it overall. Taz, uh, always uh, great. Uh, an angry man, as per usual. Uh, Taz, I don't know why I noticed this here, but Taz being a fanny pack guy is very weird mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a very angry man, and then he carries a fanny pack. I don't know. There's just uh, something about that. I, I don't know what it is. It's it's just weird to me.
2: It does uh, sound like you should be chill if you have a fanny mm-hmm.
0: pack. Right, he he's, he's way too angry to have a fanny pack. He's going to get so mad it's going to fall off of his <laughs> waist and it's going to drop all his shit, all, all the various things he carries.
2: What does he put in there, you think?
0: Oh. Uh athletic tape. <laughs> right. Uh
2: drawings of Sabu just like <laughs> right uh, with RIP <laughs> crossed out eyes. <laughs>
0: No, that's what he has etched on the inside of his office, just oh, writing right. crayon all over <laughs> his uh, office in quotations. Because boy, the Team Taz dojo—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, 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 it's certainly not a warehouse that they rented. Heavens no! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a kind of a- in there. Uh, yeah, it's it's grim. There's weeds outside the place. It's, it's something. But yeah, I, I do like that they say that Taz's injury is an ongoing thing. I do wonder if that's actually a shoot. And he really is, does have the bad shoulder. So I'm curious if we ever find out more about that. But yeah, I, I like the promo overall. Uh, Taz, is, uh, Taz is great. I did like also like him uh, telling RVD to get a haircut. <laughs> I thought that was uh that because he's a pretty boy, you see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh yeah, <laughs> you, damn hippie, you and
1: your your doobies, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, great stuff from Tess. <laughs> All right, Joey's in the nest. He shows us clips from Middletown when Sandman stole Raven's belt, and then from Webster when Raven shoved Stevie and Sandman was wearing a BWO shirt. Joey says we have opening question of Sandman: has joined the BWO or just beat them up and took the shirt? Joey says it's an old-fashioned slugout to see who will take the belt. Raven gets to the ring and demands Sandman bring his belt to him. Sandman emerges right away with a title and his cane. Raven says they have to go man-to-man and toe-to-toe to settle this. Raven cracks Sandman, and the Sandman answers. They just keep trading big right hands as Joey says this isn't a match. No referee, no decision. Just two men settling grievances. They keep slugging away at each other, but neither man stays down. Both keep getting up. And firing back, the crowd chants at the BWO as Raven slings Sandman to the floor, shoots him to the railing. Sandman comes back and tackles Raven through a table, slams uh, the table on top of him. The BWO chants continue to echo as they trade strikes and head back inside. Raven takes control and shoots Sandman back to the ropes through a table. Raven DDTs Sandman, but the BWO music hits and the cavalcade comes to the ring to a big pop. Raven stares them all down, stunned at what's going on around him. Raven heads back to Sandman, who spits beer in Raven's eyes. He's blinded. He levels Nova and Mini by accident. Stevie gets in the ring. Raven shoves him, so Stevie shoves him back. Sandman rolls up Raven, even though it isn't a match. Stevie stares down at Raven, and then goes to super kick his boss, but Raven ducks, and he kicks Sandman instead. Joey wonders, is this is just another ruse? But Stevie grabs Raven and says he's not finished yet. Raven shoves him and punches him in the face, but Stevie doesn't back off. He wants to throw down. Sandman grabs Raven and DDTs him on the belt. Stevie then stares down Sandman and goes to kick him, but he levels Raven instead when he gets in the way. The crowd's going wild as Stevie hands Sandman his BWO shirt and walks off. Sandman chokes Raven with the shirt and slugs away. The bloody Raven ends up tied in the ropes, and Sandman mashes him with a cane. Raven's out cold, hanging from the ropes. Sandman grabs the belt and leaves, declaring himself the winner. Raven collapses, but shrugs off help from the officials before passing back out damage control comes out to help but again he fights them off and crawls away just took a real beating uh all in all this was a great brawl the heat was amazing the BWO stuff is so incredible right now it's mega over and they are striking while hot for sure so this is a really good um brawl it's interesting the sandman leaves with the belt so matt you've mentioned a couple times but it seems like we're not over still uh because sandman's got ravens title so we'll see where it goes from here uh what do you think of this matt
0: yeah, uh, I thought it was a good brawl overall. Even though we're still doing the Raven Sandman thing, mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed this because it was different. You know, you, now you're getting Stevie Richards and the BWO involved, uh, potentially giving Raven uh, a new challenger if they go the way you know it may go with the turn. We'll see if they go that way, but it, it gives. I mean, it's a natural feud to have with, with those two guys, given all the history. So, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the brawl uh, quite a bit. I I thought. Uh, Uh, Raven was an absolute mess after this. He just – he looked rough at the end of it. And I even liked uh, the camera shot at the end when Raven, you know, uh, gets removed from the ropes, how he has the BWO shirt right next to his face. I thought that was a great Mm -hmm. camera shot given all the bullshit that he's dealt with with the BWO over the past couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, Sandman stealing the belt, I mean – I I, I don't know. I I mean, I guess that's a thing you can do, I suppose. I mean, uh, Raven steals wife and kid, you steal the belt. I mean, it seems like (laughs) seems like a fair trade off to me, I guess. But yeah, uh, I I did. uh, I did like the brawl overall, but I'm still I'm still not sure about continuing the Raven Sandman feud, Jenny.
2: Well, I mean, look. He he stole his wife and child. You get to beat him up as many times as you want to, mm. and it's funny they didn't even attempt to call it a match. It's <laughs> it's a non match match like right. No nobody cares about pinning. We we just want to beat the shit out of each other, and that's that's hardcore. So I respect that. Uh, I kind of like th- the belt. It's sort of um losing its. I don't know they're treating it like <sighs> feels like hot potato a little bit i don't know like raven's really into it sandman i think he care less he just wants to fuck with raven um but the the flip-flopping <laughs> with who has the belt is i don't know it's a it's a choice mm. um mm. i like sandman leaving with it though and um, I, I'm gonna call this an official turn by Stevie. Is that incorrect? Do we not know yet? Is it still in question?
1: It feels like it. I mean, it yeah. feels like the crowd has pushed him this way, and that they're embracing it. So,
2: okay.
1: I think he's fed up finally.
2: Yeah, I think I'm here for it.
1: It feels a little bit too like, you know, we talked about how the pay per view was supposed to be earlier, mm-hmm. and then they kind of had the screwiness of the cable company, and it ended up being April. It feels like they weren't expecting to have to stretch some of the stuff out an extra couple yeah. months. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it, th- this last month has felt a lot like spinning wheels. Just trying yep. to get yep. to set up yep. for the pay-per-view. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're stretching stuff out longer than they thought they had to. Yeah. And that's, what's making it feel like we're just kind of booking shit on the fly here a little bit.
2: But sometimes you can get really cool like moments out of that. So that's right. what I'm trying to like look for and like kind of ignoring all the wonky (laughs) booking to this point and just trying to see like the performances.
1: Joey narrates long, long highlights of what we just saw. says this will be talked about for years to come. Reminds us that Stevie has been Raven's top lackey for two years. Joey's in the nest. He says it could be a historic episode of ECW. Raven has verbally and physically abused his chief flunky for two years, but the clueless plots has finally come into his own. We again get a breakdown, multiple angles of what we saw with Stevie and Raven. Joey puts over that Stevie stood up to Raven and tries to sort out Stevie's intent on the kicks, but it's clear now they're all in on Stevie and his angle, putting a ton of time on it. And the BWO is the mechanism to get Stevie to the next level. Yep. Gertner's in Hype Central doing his thing. He says the fans are demanding interview a certain gorgeous guest with luscious lips, piercing eyes, and the best chest in wrestling. And after the break, Gertner reveals he is the interview subject. <laughs> and he puts himself over. <laughs> Joey's in the nest. Raven comes in and grabs him by the neck and tells him to go backstage and tell Sandman to bring him his belt. He says he has had things taken away from Sandman and now he wants his belt back. Todd Gordon comes in and Raven grabs him. He says he knows he's buddy with Sandman and to go get his belt. Gordon says Raven's champion and He's beat everyone in front of him. If he wants to settle back, just go take it. Raven says he will take it, and Sandman will pay. Uh, Joey then walks you an update around Douglas and Dreamer, where things stand with them, including Douglas looking for backup and may have found it, and the triple threat with Lee and Cadito, and talks about the bad blood between Spicoli and Candido going back years. And I'll just wrap up this episode, and you guys can share your thoughts on this closing stretch here. But we get highlights of the closing of a match between Luis Spicoli and Chris Candido. The crowd was super into it. Candido takes a rough bump to the floor. He's holding his neck and head as things slow down. Joey thinks we may have to stop, but Candido drags himself up reels. He was faking, gets 2 on a small package, and Candido ends up winning the match by hooking the legs and cradling a small package, which was a good win. Uh, both guys have added a lot from an in-ring perspective to the mid-card for sure mm-hmm. uh candido slaps louis around and they trade more blows lee and douglas come out and they beat down Spicoli uh with candido and joey says it looks like the new triple threat is official Piple 2 comes out and fights them off and stands tall so uh matt what you think of this closing stretch of stuff here uh
0: I-, I loved joey going through the raven stevie saga like it's the fucking Zapruder film i had the <laughs> yeah. same
2: thought yeah
0: <laughs> it's it's fucking down great. and to the left was there a second kicker on the? Grass, you know, oh God, it was so great. Uh, then you have uh, Gertner interviewing himself, which I could have watched. I I would have I would have watched you know a half hour of that. Why not? I mean, just Gertner talking to himself. I mean, what more do you want? Um, I also would have loved to see uh, Todd Todd Gordon try and go in the locker room and try and get the belt from Sandman. I I, I sure that would have went over like a fart in church. Good lord. Uh, Candido and Spicoli, I would have liked to have seen the full match again. Uh, I think it looked really good from what we saw and, uh, interesting that, you know, it looks like this trio of Shane Lee and, um, Candido is going to stick around. So that's interesting. Uh, Pitbull too, still getting his shit pushed in, <laughs> uh, it, the more things change, the more they stay the same, Jenny.
2: Um, yeah, I... uh, <laughs> yeah. I would have to agree with you. Joel interviewing himself. <laughs> uh, I mean, with that whole lead-up, who who else could he pick but himself? Right. Um, Raven, I, I love his, his back to his desperation, you know, with this fucked-up face. Everything's, like, sort of collapsing on him. And, you know, to the point where he's up in there fucking with Joey, and he's in Todd Gordon's face. I, the little touch in that where... Todd Gordon, he was being very sincere and like awesome. I thought in that segment, and he would like reach out and like touch Raven, like point him in the chest, and Raven would knock his hand away. (laughs) And he did that a couple times. Um, Really, really fantastic stuff. Um, uh, Pretty, pretty clear the triple threat's going to be a thing that we're going to do. So Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Um, Louis looks great. I would like to see this whole match, like you said um it seemed pretty good i like the run-ins especially pitbull number two um and i like how he no-sold the choke slam. so you don't get to see that very often so he he had a pretty good hero moment there at the end which is good to see good to have him back
1: yeah i think we need a new heel stable and the flock is clearly splintering mm-hmm. so it'll be good to have um a new group on top here All right. Awards time. Best match. I went with uh, Raven Sandman. Yep. Yep. Worst match. Gangsters versus uh, the not rock and roll express.
2: (laughs) The knock and roll
1: express. (laughs) Uh, Best moment. uh, I went with Stevie standing tall to Raven.
2: Yeah. You got to go with the turn.
1: Yep. Most 80s. More in a rich instead of (laughs) (laughs) 90s. Perfect. Uh, Stock Rising, Taz, BWO, Raven, Sandman, and the Triple Threat. Yeah. Todd Gordon. Todd Gordon. (laughs) Stock falling. I am with again. Richard Morton. Just kind of looked at goofs out there. (laughs) Morton used a frying pan. I can't (laughs) do it. Final Grade. This is a big bounce back after a couple really... Shaky outings. Uh, I like this episode a lot. A lot happened. We had the big Stevie moment. We had the fun brawl. Uh, I ended up going seven and a half on this episode. I did too. I went seven. So we are all close.
2: All right. Let's
1: patriculate our way over to January 21st, 1997. Joey Styles is in the ring, starts to talk. He looks up and starts yelling at Tommy Dreamer, warning him. Uh, He's in the nest watching what's going on. He says, turn around, Tommy, turn around. And the triple threat is standing behind him. Tommy turns, and he gets pasted by a trash can shot from Lee. Francine detains Paul as the triple threat beat the shit out of Tommy, who gets busted open. The crowd chants for Terry Funk as Shane hits a single-arm DDT, and then Candido throws Tommy off the balcony to the ground, and they put up the triple threat hand sign. Dreamer gets checked on as the crowd chants she's the horror." of (laughs) Francine. Funk eventually shows up and helps treat Tommy while also trying to get to the triple threat. Tommy gets stretched out by damage control, uh, but backstage, Tommy Rich is there, and he attacks Dreamer and Funk, which was very random. Uh, a great start, though. The triple threat's often running. Dreamer's a mess, and it looks like Tommy Rich is going to stick around here for a bit, Matt. What do you think of this opening? Uh, the quadruple threat, <laughs> question mark? <laughs> is, is Tommy
0: Rich joining him? Uh, yeah, uh, molten hot, <laughs> open to the show. I thought this was great. Uh, Dreamer, obviously, a madman, taking a bump like that. Good Lord. Uh, cut open, bloody mess. Uh, 30 seconds <laughs> into this episode. So, uh, yeah, a hell of a way to start this episode, Jenny.
2: It's like they're trying to make up for all the filler episodes we right. have to sit through, Tommy just absolutely fucking losing <laughs> Is mine? Like what the hell? That whole look behind you thing, Tommy, Tommy—it was pure horror movie. And then he gets tossed the fuck off the nest. <laughs> it was awesome. All of this was great. Uh, goddamn, pal, that'll wake you up.
1: Yeah, it will. As well, our opening animation, and then we head to back to the ring where Joey restarts the show, but he seems rattled after what happened. He brings out special guest Taz and Taz and Fonzie head out. Fonzie puts over Taz's workouts and barks about uh, being healthy. Taz forces Joey to the corner, and the crowd calls for Sabu, but Taz says he's 90,000 miles away in Japan. Uh, Real loyal to ECW fans. He's always over in Japan, and along with him is RVD, that young bitch with the long hair. (laughs) Instead of being in Japan kissing Bob his ass, he should be in ECW getting stretched by Taz. Whenever Paul gets the balls to draw the contract up, he'll sign it, and hopefully Sabu has the guts to do it as well so he could tear him up in under five minutes, Taz bitches out a fan for chanting Sabu, says they have no right to run down a wrestler as never having competed or wrestled for the ungrateful fans and tells him to pay his dues. He's ranting about paying dues and says then maybe the fan would be able to chant fuck Sabu. Uh, so Taz is boiling over, both shitting on Sabu and defending Sabu uh, against a fan who doesn't have the clout to shit on Sabu. So just kind of classic, uh, just everything Taz hates all in one here. But I, this is, you know, Taz is just awesome.
2: You know what? Fuck Taz. I will. He was so mean to Joey. My like, he, mm, he like told him to go stand in the corner and like being all. Mean. I was like, mm, I will slap you in your face, Taz. Joey is innocent and pure and good, and you better show some respect. I don't know. I got very angry with Taz being ugly to my Joey. Um, <laughs> and <then laughs> he, he, he's just so he can't even see anything other than sabu like Mm -hmm, he he has all this going on he to just a just an absolute like (laughs) breakdown to some rando guy in the crowd (laughs) like how rent free is sabu in that head Mm -hmm. like it's it's all consuming it's pretty amazing um the way taz is just still will never ever let it go Um, Great stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Taz has absolutely lost it. And it's fantastic to see just picking out some random fuck in the crowd and just tearing him a new one. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, and then you have Taz. He can't hear you. He's in Japan. He can't <laughs> hear you.
2: And then he all he does is talk to Sabu all yeah, the yeah. time. Right, right. And he never can hear him. Well, I mean,
0: Taz has that booming voice, you see. <laughs> I think that's the difference. It's that accent. It really projects uh, across, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> across oceans and <laughs> a, a lot of land. But, he, yeah, uh, just fantastic stuff. I love how he, he – imagine being that fan. Like, if you're yeah, that okay. – Like uh, Okay okay, Taz wants me to die. Well, I guess I, guess I should go do this then. Uh, if he doesn't kill me here, he's going to kill me in the parking lot. So, but yeah, I, Taz has lost his mind and it is fantastic to see.
2: I was imagining if this was today, like that guy's tweets would be...
0: <laughs> Taz would have been canceled.
2: Taz like, ripped me a new asshole. <laughs> arena.
1: All right, to the ring we go for our next match, which is the Eliminators taking on Axel Rotten and Devon Dudley. Taz is in the booth as the challengers attack the Eliminators, but they fight right back and smash them with strikes. Taz says Axel and Devon has never seen the inside of a gym, but he puts them over (laughs) because all ECW stars uh, deserve to be put over. The Eliminators hit stereo top rope moonsaults and challengers clear out. Taz puts over the Eliminators' background and training and explains what each entails. All four brawl on the floor. Back inside, the Eliminators use kicks and strikes to take out Dudley. And Axel, uh, but Axel comes back with a clothesline. Taz says as promised. He is demonstrating his skills, just doing it via commentary, because he's well-rounded, not just limited to wrestling. But Joey's still skeptical about that shoulder. Taz talks about being tight and having respect with the Eliminators. They're wrecking the challengers here, as Taz predicted. Joey brings up poor Paul Varlins, and Taz runs <laughs> down his hit list of everyone he's choked out. <laughs> things things spill outside, and the challengers make a push, but Axel eats a handspring elbow. Dudley hits a middle rope leg drop on Saturn for two as Joey puts over Cronus losing weight. Ron gets a DDT on Saturn as Dudley takes Cronus to the floor, and suddenly the gold could be in trouble. Axel hits a pedigree on Saturn but for two, but Cronus saves. Dudley comes in with a chair, but it backfires. Saturn pelts Axel with a super kick, and they finish him with total elimination. The eliminator is bowed to Taz, and he reciprocates and leaves the booth. Uh, as for a fine title defense, nothing special. Just kind of a quality beatdown with the champions pushing off a little charge uh, from a capable team, but defending the belts and looking like the best team that they're supposed to be. So, Jenny, went two stars. That is just like a a simple t- television title match with dominant champions.
2: It is, but it's never just simple when Perry Saturn is wrestling. Because did you see the like double simultaneous moonsault shit that mm-hmm. they pulled out? Like, mm-hmm. goddamn. Like, they just casually bust it out, and it's incredible. Just give me the Eliminators Wrestling all day. Honestly, they're fantastic. Even, like you said, like, it's simple, it's dumb, but I just love it. Uh, I gave it two and a half stars, Matt.
0: Yeah, I went two on it. Uh, simple and basic. I mean, it was a fairly standard title defense. It felt more to me like it was a vehicle just to hear Taz on commentary do his thing some more, which is fine. I'm here for it. But uh, yeah, uh, it was a fairly standard title defense for the Eliminators. Not much more to add. Two stars for me.
1: Joey's in the nest. He says Shane Douglas was supposed to fight Tommy Dreamer tonight, but that will not happen due to the attack from earlier. Terry Funk wants a shot at Lee tonight after getting stitched up. Pitbull 2 was also attached by a triple threat during his match with Bubba Ray tonight, so he can't take Tommy's place. We get clips of Douglas interrupting the Pitbull 2-Bubba Ray match, revealing he has upped the bounty on Pitbull 2's head. Anyone that wants to come out and cash it has a shot. Bubba Ray backs up uh, Pitbull 2, and they fight off Bad Crew as they try to cash it. Devon and Axel come out. They fail as Douglas is bitching a ringside. Shane says if he can't pay someone, he'll just do it alone. But that triggers Lee and Candido to come out and join Shane in beating down Bubba and Pitbull 2, including Lee chokeslamming Pitbull 2 out of the ring through a table. Shane smashing him with a single arm DDT and him getting stretchered out. So that's a pretty good segment, Matt. Pretty good fight.
0: Yeah, it feels like now we have uh, official confirmation that the triple threat is a thing. So that's great. Uh, Pitbull, two again, taking a shit kicking as he's done over the past mm-hmm. few few weeks and months. This poor bastard. My God, at least let him win one once, please. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, I, I said it on the last episode every time. Uh, pit bull gets slammed through a table i cringe because it always looks rough and uh I, i'm assuming it is rough in fact it's more than it just looks rough so uh uh yeah a uh, really good segment here jenny
2: I, I was i was laughing at shane's well i guess i'll have to do it myself <laughs> cue my buddies to run out like okay nobody's buying that but he does you know he does get involved and i like um I like watching two go through the table, um, especially a couple times. So that was really good. Um, I think that's all I have for this.
1: Okay. All right. Back to the ring. We go for that match that'll kick off Terry Funk's final climb toward the title Right. as Terry Funk takes on prime time. Brian Lee, a stitch up blood soaked funk ambles to the ring for this big grudge match. Looking for revenge, big pop for funk. Lee bails to the crowd right away. Funk follows. They brawl into the chairs. They spill into the aisle. Lee goes to work on the knee with a chair. They head back in, and Lee maintains control with strikes at the knee. Lee stuffs Funk with a pile driver, but Funk keeps fighting up to his feet. The crowd rallies him. Funk unloads with punches, and Lee sends some back down as we get a big slugfest. Funk headbutts Lee and falls outside. Funk follows and pile drives Lee through an open chair on the floor. (laughs) It just really looked like it hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Funk grabs another chair and keeps smacking Lee with it over and over. They head back to the crowd, where Funk just keeps battering him with chairs and heavy punches. As they head back to the ring, Funk gets crouched on the railing and slugged back down. Lee keeps bringing it on the floor. Funk is rattled. Joey wonders if Funk's enthusiasm in November Remember misled him. And this comeback could be a mistake. Maybe he's too old. <laughs> Funk drives Lee to the table, sets up a chair on the table, stands on it, and jumps off. And leg drops Lee on the table, which doesn't break. Looks like a real rough landing. Back to the ring we go. Lee chucks a table inside onto Funk, whips Funk through it into the corner and stomps on it. Funk is on Dream Street as Lee kicks away and the crowd tries to rally him. Joey says nobody wants to see this happen to Terry Funk, but he keeps battling back with punches and shoots Lee to the railing. Douglas and Candido pop up and attack Funk on the floor, which pisses off Joey. They set up a table at ringside, and Lee chokes Sam's Funk off the apron through it in a big bump. Douglas and Candido shove him back inside, and Lee covers for the win. Lee grabs the mic and shits on Funk, keeps flipping him off and swearing back at him. Funk keeps running his mouth as Lee beats on him with headbutts. a very intense moment. Funk slaps Lee around and fires at him with punches while berating him until Candido and Douglas return to beat him down, uh, and that's that. I think this is probably a little bit too long, uh, but it had a classic barroom brawl feel to it. Just two big sluggers pouting on each other. It's all punches pretty much. Uh, and the story of Funk never saying die, even though he should, especially with the interesting Joey commentary saying, you know, this might've been a mistake. Maybe it's just kind of adrenaline and misguided when he came back. Uh, the triple threat is red hot. They're looking dominant, a really good heel stable ascending up. Uh, I like the post-match as well. felt like an angry dad beating on his kid uh, in a way, but just kind of weird that Douglas, you know, just left Lee alone. Before finally saving uh, him. So, two and three quarters for me, Jenny. What'd you think of this one?
2: Um, I went three on it. I think they left him alone because Brian Lee was handling himself all right. Mm. Um, mm. with with Terry Funk, uh, I I liked it way more than I thought I was going to. I knew pretty much what it was going to be. We're gonna brawl in the crowd. We're gonna do a lot of weapons, and we're gonna bleed a lot. But I really liked the way they put it together. That Uh, pile driver on the chair was sick and uh I bet at some points funk wondered if it was a mistake to come back as well (laughs) but um because it it's it's pretty brutal um they are just destroying each other but um and I like Terry's sort of um snapping uh post match and trying to (laughs) at least beat on Brian a little bit more before um, before the end. So three stars Matt.
0: I also went three stars on this. I, I like this a lot. I uh, I really like the story of Funk just not staying down no matter what Brian Lee does to him. I thought that was uh, that was a, a great story. Uh, at, at one point Joey said Brian Lee was only 29 at this point, Nuh-uh. which is which is fucking wild to me <laughs> that he was oh, only 20, crazy, yeah. that he was only 29 here. That is crazy to think about given his uh, his prior history as the under faker, which means he was like what 25 at that point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. Good Lord. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody has ever said this, but Terry Funk is out of his fucking mind. Okay. You are you're 53 years old and you're taking that table bump. Good God, what are you doing, sir? You don't have to do that. Uh, it just the thud <laughs> that that it made, that Funk's body made hitting the cement was just brutal. Oh, mm-hmm. God. it was just... And then Funk gets up and gets in his face and <laughs> just calling him a son of a bitch. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I really liked the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The beatdown was great. So three stars for me.
1: Yeah, it's like a classic fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Gertner does his thing in Hype Central. And then Joey walks us through Douglas's march of terror, crippling uh, and then assaulting Gary Wolf. right through Dreamer's vow of revenge. It was supposed to go down tonight, but Dreamer was wiped out. Pipple 2 was to take his spot, but he got taken out too. And we go to the ring where Douglas and Francine are demanding competition. They're pissed. They want a replacement for Tommy. Shane beats up the referee and says there's a problem is Tommy's at the hospital thanks to them. So now he has no opponent and he wants someone to give him a fight. Someone wearing a sweater and jeans with a mask on struts mm. out mm-hmm. and Shane jokes and says it's two for two Guerrera. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> the man gets in the ring and has a very familiar voice mm. and says it's a new year for Shane Douglas His resolution to change the direction of ECW. The crowd is just losing it here and Shane is shocked. He says his resolution is to fuck with the franchise and asks that the crowd wants to see that and they are all in. Shane asks why he's hiding behind a mask and the man says it's simple. If he takes it off, Shane would shit himself, and everyone have to deal with the stench. <laughs> the masked man rips Ric Flair and says if Shane is the man in ECW, he believes someone in the back that is ready, willing, and able to kick his ass become the man. He wants Shane to prove he has the balls to be the franchise or prove he is hung like a hamster. Shane is pissed that he tries to figure out who it is. He asks if it's Tommy or Pitbull too, but the man says it couldn't be either. But Shane accepts the challenge so he can prove he's the man. He calls to the music, and out comes... Pitbull one, Gary Wolf to a mega pop <laughs> Shane is shocked. Pitbull one is back. He beats the shit out of Shane, and we wrap with that. Just an awesome moment, really well done. We get a huge debut of this very well-known masked man, uh, and then the feel-good return of Pitbull one to a monster Gary chant as he uh, gets his revenge on Shane. Just great stuff, and carries what had kind of been a bit of a sluggish finish to the show. Um, I thought this really picked it up to close this out. So, what did you think? Uh, Mad of all this yeah,
0: I, this this whole package was amazing. I thought it was fantastic. Uh the pit, I wasn't expecting Pitbull 1, so that was mm-hmm. quite a surprise. I thought that was fantastic. Like uh, should this man be in the ring at this point? Yeah. <laughs> like that that was the that was the main thought I had. Like uh, I don't know. You were in a halo not that long again, sir. <laughs> maybe maybe rethink, maybe rethink this, but uh, yeah, uh, the the whole thing was fantastic. The the masked man saying that Shane is hung like a ham And saying I'm wearing the mask (laughs) Because he's afraid he's going to shit himself Yeah uh, just a a Really well done segment and a hell of a way To end the show Jenny
2: Um yes Yes this was very very good Um (laughs) The hoover dude career (laughs) coming, knocked me out (laughs) I don't know why that was so fucking funny to me But it was Um I I don't I don't no, I don't I can't place the voice. I have some ideas. Um but <laughs> seeing seeing Pitbull One come out there was sort of off putting. I mean like I popped for it, but I was immediately very concerned. Um and thinking what like it hasn't been that long, like in real time and real right. months. Um so surely, um, surely he's been cleared and there's been a medical professional.
0: Oh, of course. Uh, da- Damage control did their thorough <laughs> their thorough screening yeah. process.
2: Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to uh, assume that he's all healed up and all set to go. And uh, Sean would, our Shane would never take advantage of uh, any kind of uh, neck injury.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see where things go from there. Uh, Jenny, did you know who the masked man was when he came back? No. When many came out? Okay.
2: Nope. So you still don't know? Still don't know. Well, I mean, I know now, I think.
1: Mm hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Best match of the night, Funk and Lee?
2: Yep. Yep.
1: Worst match, Eliminators, Dudley and Rotten? Mm hmm. I believe so. Best moment, I would say the Masked Man debuts and Pitbull One returns? Yes. Yep. 100%. Of uh, most 90s, Terry Funk's final Death Wish run. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The the masked man sweater was very
0: nice. Yeah, that sweater was a choice <laughs> that he made.
1: Stock rising. I went triple threat: Tommy Rich, uh, Taz, and Terry Funk.
2: <laughs> Tommy Rich. <laughs> Imagine he had right. Terry Rich and, and fucking Funk on that list. That's outrageous. Um, <laughs> I would add Shane. hmm Yeah.
1: Well, I put the right on there, but yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, stock falling. I went Bad Crew: Dudley and Rotten. Yeah. Yep. All right. And this is another good episode on the heels of of our last one. Uh, Again, it was starting to dip a little late, but the Shane stuff really brought it back Uh, and a lot happening. You know, Funk and Lee was fun. Uh, Pretty good episode. Seven out of 10 for me.
2: Seven and a half out of
1: 10. Yeah.
0: I think I'm going to do the seven and a half. I enjoyed that episode a lot.
2: Okay.
1: All right. Let's close this out. January 28th, 1997. Our final episode here tonight We open with footage from the Catholic Youth Center in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And this is actually a pretty infamous building. Um, The WF used to run here for a while. And they ran a show in the peak of Attitude. I want to say it was 98. Mm -hmm. And, like, things got out of control. Uh, I believe, like, between DX and the socket stuff. And I think there was, like... I don't know if there was a... um, like a mob brawl. It was like something crazy happened in the building and they ended up leading to them getting banned uh, <laughs> from being there. It was something happened. I forgot what it was, but they ended up getting banned from it um, due to uh, both the attitude stuff. And there was like trouble with the crowd or whatever. So they, they, they had been running there forever. Like, I think they ran like a ton of shows there. I think ECW continues to run afterward, but um, here we go. I got the, This article here about trouble in the in the attitude era but um <laughs> which was a common thing it wasn't like just there but right the catholic youth scanner youth center in scranton is banned here for coming back after scranton diocese bishop james timlin spoke out against the program's content so i think it was just it was around that i think mainly but i could have sworn something else happened there too um but anyway my college roommate mike uh was from scranton and he had like either been at that show or like knew of it when it happened and was telling me about it when we got to college a year '98. So Jeez. this is a big deal in Scranton. <laughs> uh, as this is going on, Mikey is in the middle of a match with the rookie. Uh, the rookie knocks Mikey to the floor and batters him out there. The rookie hits a flying clothesline for a close near fall. He goes up top and Mikey knocks him down and follows up, but rookie knocks him down and tries a somersault splash, comes up empty. Mikey rolls him up with a banana split for the win. Uh, not much here, just Mikey beating a random rookie to a pop. He shakes his hand and stands tall. I mean, I didn't even grade this. It was just kind of highlights.
2: Yeah, I didn't either. And also, not me thinking that this was Lil Guido instead of the rookie.
1: <laughs> yes, it was just the rookie.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the only thing I'll say is that eventually down the line, uh, the rookie does become somebody. Oh, but, really? Uh, but as of right now, he is the rookie. Okay.
1: Yes. Good tease. We'll see who he becomes. I don't think it's anyone Jenny's going to know anyway, but he becomes someone.
2: (laughs) Well, that's fine.
1: (laughs) We head back to last week. The triple threat beat up Tommy uh, and then Tommy Dreamer. But then Tommy Rich beat up Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. The triple threat took out Pitbull 2. We had the arrival of the masked man who brought out the returning Pitbull 1, Gary Wolf. We get our opening animation. Joey's in the ring inside the Catholic Youth Center and brings out the two youths uh brings out shane douglas for a chat as always he's flanked by candido lee and francine which is a cool looking group shane boxer joey says the mask guy was clearly him based on how he walked and talked and handled himself <laughs> shane's a student of the game for 14 years he sat in dressing rooms and watched the greatest of the sport there's one man who always rose to the top as tough as they come he kicked ass and took belts and he watched him he knows what he's about Someone came out not that long ago and said the resolution for 1997 was to fuck with the franchise. He knows who's behind the mask and he isn't after the bell. He's not after Triple Threat. He's coming for Francine. Because for years, that's what he did. He kissed the ladies after his matches. But he can't have her. She belongs to Shane. Shane can break the masked man's neck easily, but he has his hands full with Dreamer and Beulah have their... Uh, and the Triple Threat have their hands full of the Eliminators to become the next tag team champions. Since they can't do it themselves, they've hired someone as director of security for Francine to ensure the masked man doesn't make a move. And the security guard is Mike Awesome, making his big return. Shane pumps up Awesome, with focused and angry, and says he's in a rude mood. We have a great promo here. A lot's going on. A nice return from Mike Awesome, uh, who should bring some big Haas presence to the roster if he sticks around beyond this. Ah, uh, Jenny, did this finally tip you off as to who this masked man was?
2: Yes, it did. <laughs> okay. I won't spoil anything for y'all who hadn't picked it up yet.
1: Mm, okay. Ah, mm. uh, Matt, what did you think of this? Yeah, uh,
0: I I liked it a lot. Ah, uh, holy shit, Mike Awesome is here. Good God, ah, uh, y- you you guys think I love Taz? Just wait until we get to <laughs> Mike <laughs> Awesome. Oh God, he's the fucking best. Good Lord. Uh, so the, uh, I popped quite huge for that, but uh, it, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is uh, uh, more great stuff. I love uh, Shane just going down everything the uh, the artist formerly known as the Masked Man uh, did in his past. Mm-hmm. I, th- I I thought that was great, and I like that awesome is a part of the uh, uh, triple threat. So what are we up to now? Five? What is that? The, the the quad? The quad? What do we call that? What's the? It's not the quadruple threat. It's the one after that. Quintuple.
2: Quintuple. Quintuple.
0: Thank you. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> That's the one. And so we're up to the quintuple threat now, but uh,
1: yeah, uh, uh, great opening, uh, great segment here. All right. So we'll see where this continues to go with this masked man, if it gets a reveal or not. we get a triple threat video package, including highlights from last week with the destroyed Terry Funk during his match with Brian Lee. Funk is backstage and says, sometimes you need a loss to bring your life into focus, figure out your goals. He sat in the dressing room and sat for a while and realized he didn't even lace his shoes yet. He thought of a dreamer who tries harder than anybody in the world and always wants to do better. He reminds Terry of his father, Dory Funk. In 1973, Dory was in his 50s and had a dream to be champion. His wrestling was his life. But it never happened because in June, he had a massive heart attack in the ring. And the way the hospital said he wasn't going to make it there because it was too far. And those were his last words. The saddest day in his and Dory Jr.'s lives. 24 years later, he's trying to figure out his own goals after a loss and wants to be a world champion, too. He knows he can beat Raven if he gets a chance, and he wants to do it for the hardcore fans and the old farts to prove they are, aren't are one foot in the grave, but also fulfill his dad's dreams. He starts to tear up, says he can't guarantee victory, but he will never give up or quit and keep going. If he can just get one match, he could beat Raven and get the belt. He wants to invite all the fans to the arena to stand with him in the ring and hold arms in the air and say, we did it our way. Not like WTF, we did it our way. Not like WCW, we did it our way. Not like AAA, New Japan, All Japan, FMW, or Ultimate Fighting, we did it our way. And ECW is the only way, the most physical, dangerous form of wrestling in the world. They did it their way because they love it that way. Uh, I thought this is a tremendous promo. Clearly, lays out Funk's goals for this run. He came back to do what his dad couldn't do. He wants to win this title one more time and prove that you know, even old dudes can, can still go and win the belt. And he believes ECW to be the best wrestling in the world. And that's where he wants to do it, Matt.
0: Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff from funk. Uh, super emotional, super passionate promo. I mean, usually a funk promo is very like off the wall, crazy. I feel like you don't see this side of funk all that often. So I thought that was a, a nice change for him. And, uh, Hey, we got somebody for Raven to the face now besides Sandman, because <laughs> it would appear that we're going to do, we're going to do Raven and Funk at some point, which could be, uh, quite nuts. But, uh, yeah, I like him saying the stuff with his dad. I thought that was great. And, uh, yeah, should, I, I think his reasons for coming back make sense about, you know, him wanting to do what his dad was never able to do. I thought that was great. And he wants to do it for, basically everybody so i i thought this was really well done and great stuff jenny
2: it really was sort of kind of i wasn't prepared it was a little bit out of nowhere i didn't know we were gonna get like real deep and be crying and stuff <laughs> um but it was it was very effective um mm-hmm. it, it looks very genuine and heartfelt um i mean besides the tears everything he it. you could just tell he'd been kind of thinking on it for a while and he really knew what he wanted to say and um I, I kind of wasn't even caring that much about <laughs> and Terry Funk, if that's even a thing that anybody can say uh, on a wrestling show but uh, with one promo he's got me completely invested and that's genius
1: Joey's in the nest. He brings up uh, Taz, brings us to Taz's dojo via satellite to open up the truth about his shoulder. Taz is in the ring of the dojo and says in early December, he had major sol- shoulder surgery from an old injury and he needed to have it done. He ran a rough shot at 3 at just 80%, wrestling hurt for a long time. But the time came along that Joey and others realized he may be hurt. He was already recovering. Now he's at 110%, which is bad news for people like Sabu who will see how bad the beating will be now. Sabu may think RVD will slow him down, but that won't stop him. Van Damme's just a wannabe and a fake karate long-haired punk bitch that makes him sick. Taz despises him and he wants to wrestle, but RVD didn't want a classic match. He wanted to use a chair. Taz doesn't need weapons. His hands are his weapons. Sandman needs a stick. Taz's hands are his sticks. Tommy needs a garbage can. Taz's hands are his garbage can. Even the 169-year-old Terry Funk needs a shovel, <laughs> but he should use that to dig a hole for himself because he'd be dead Dead and the rigor mortis is already setting in, but his hands are shovels. <laughs> Taz will beat RVD his own game. If he wants to play with weapons, they will play with weapons. He begs Sabu to know it's not even close to being over. Taz well, he just yells and throws the camera out. Just another amazing promo, Jenny. Taz is on fire, and the hype for him and Sabu is through the roof.
2: Super amazing. Especially on the hills of Terry Funk. This actually hits just as much, I feel like. Mm-hmm. The hands are his weapons, naming everybody and their weapon of choice. Very, very well thought out and put together. We got creepy orange light uh, in the dojo. It really adds to it, uh, goddamn Taz. Um, and, and him, <laughs> him burying funk like that, literally, <laughs> uh, was, was very good, Matt. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, you want to talk about the the opposite end of the promo we just saw? You right. go from t- Terry Funk saying, Oh, I want to be champ at 53 to you should be dead, you're washed up. <laughs> Jesus, good lord, Taz. Uh, Real. you know just when you think Taz can't get any fucking angrier he just does like what's the limit for this man's anger like uh, uh, like it, it, it's frightening is what it is it's it's just unbelievable he's just so good at at being angry <laughs> this is the best way i can put it but uh God, what a great promo! He's going to kill somebody b- b- <laughs> right. before he gets to Sabu. That's I think that's the end game here. He's just gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna grab some schmuck from the crowd, throw him in the ring, and break his neck, and, and that's gonna mm-hmm. be the end of Taz. I think that's where this is going. But uh, yeah, awesome promo.
2: Y'all ever be so mad? Saying something and you can't even say anything else. You just be like, ah! right?
0: You just you're just making guttural noises.
2: <laughs> like, I, I can't. Like this is all the words I had left. Now I just. That's okay. me every.
0: That's me every time I stub my fucking toe.
2: <laughs> God, <coughs> God damn, son of
0: a. <laughs> all
1: right, Raven's in the locker room. He says Stevie has a cult of following in the movement. Raven says he took a man's wife, a son, and sanity just for fun, and asked Stevie what he does for kicks and fun. Before Stevie decides to fuck. And leave the nest he should remember nobody escapes alive he walks off and we see he has a giant robe of some sort with jim morrison on it (laughs) quite the outfit
0: (laughs) yeah
2: it's a blankie
1: (laughs) joey talks about recent issues between stevie raven and the bwo we see a clip of stevie defeating little guido and scranton we then see a mob scene outside the bwo locker room where fans are rabid for them which joey thinks is driving raven nuts tonight sandman puts possession of the physical world title up against raven's hair and the actual title itself uh, any thoughts on the Raven stuff before we get to the match?
2: Um it's a good Raven promo. Um not as good as a say funk or Taz here, but uh I like it and I like that <laughs> I like that Jim Morrison blanket. Yeah. Um, that was something. why why are we shaving his head all of a sudden?
0: That's a great
1: question. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, they're I guess, doing... I
1: guess Raven's desperate enough to get his belt back. He'll do whatever, but it's not like we've had any kind of hair stuff. Right. These, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, very weird.
2: I think it's just more of the, uh, let's just add weird stuff on mm-hmm. to make the Sandman-Raven stuff uh, interesting for those who might have stopped giving a shit. Right.
1: <laughs> like Matt. Yeah. Right. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to our main event. Uh, actually, not our main event. Let's get to our title match show. Sandman versus Raven. Uh, title belt versus title and hair. Raven heads out with Lori, sits at the corner. Sandman stands in the balcony, smoking, staring down. Joey hypes us up big time. Raven gets up from the corner and looks at Sandman, who finally starts to head down. Raven lights him up with a cane as soon as he gets in the ring, gets a two count. Raven hits a pile driver, rolls him to the floor, gets a table. But that backfires as Sandman shoots him into it and pours a beer in his eyes, smashes him with the can. This crowd is absolutely rabid for everything. Mm -hmm. Raven rolls outside and Sandman throws a table at him, which he barely avoids. Raven's bleeding and takes back over and throws Sandman through a table after pounding on him. Sandman is bleeding as well as Raven stomps away. Sandman's out on his feet. Raven shoves him back inside. Raven spikes the broken table on Sandman's face. And then Laurie hands him a chair. But Sandman kicks it back in his face and drop kicks it into his face as well. Sandman DDT's Raven on the chair as Laurie comes in and makes a save. Sandman grabs his ex-wife and rips her dress off and she has a BWO shirt on. Raven Kane, Sandman sees the BWO shirt and is shook as he stalks her and grabs her by the throat. That brings out the BWO to a pop as Raven kicks kicking Sandman. The BWO fills the ring. Raven shoves down Stevie, but Stevie smacks the can out of his hand. Raven slugs Stevie, and Stevie Stevie kicks Raven, whose head smacks into Sandman's, and Raven falls on top to win the match. Joey wonders if Stevie tried to knock out Raven, or is this, again, a master plan? Fine match here. Uh, not much going on besides the basic weapon stuff. The crowd is lit. Uh, the BWO is red hot, as we talked about. We get more angle advancement here, and it leaves you wondering if Raven will be done with Lori. And where the hell is Tyler? So it's kind of like we're sputtering a bit with this angle without closure mm-hmm. so far. Uh, and you wonder, Sam, man, cooked? Like, what, what's going on with that too? So I don't know, man. I went two and a half. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting with you. I think we're, we're done. <laughs> but we have some lingering shit out there still. With you know, what's Lori's deal now? Where's Tyler? When are we closing that out?
0: yeah I I went two and a half on it too the match itself was fine but like I've been saying where this feud is on its last legs here and they got they got to tie up all the loose ends they have going on here Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe they just don't acknowledge them at all which I'd be very surprised if that's the case like I feel like they're going to find a way to tie everything together knowing what we know about how ECW does things it's just how are they going to get there because I mean like now we're doing hair matches like what are we going to do next month (laughs) you know we're just going to keep dragging it on. And uh, I'm just, I'm kind of over it at this point. Uh, I, I, did think Lori wearing the, uh, the BWO shirt underneath her Al Borland dress was kind of interesting. <laughs> so I'd be curious to see where we're going with that. Lori and the BWO could be something good God. But, uh, yeah. And I thought the finish of this match was, uh, was kind of weird too. It almost looked like they kind of fucked up a little bit and Sandman just kind of pulled the Raven down onto him. But, uh, yeah, weird finish. And it was a a pretty quick match, but, uh, fun enough. For a uh, for a house show main event, so two and a half for me, Jenny.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still on board with Sandman Raven. Um, I just am, I guess. Um, whenever Peaches is there, I think she always um always brings something a little fun, and <laughs> the, the reveal of the BWO shirt just has a lot of. Qu- Maybe she's Meanie's girlfriend. Mm. I don't know maybe i don't know I, I i don't see raven really fucking with her that much you know he, he just uses her against sandman you know not any kind of real thing he doesn't have anything real for her
0: no no physical uh, right. com- comings and goings yeah
2: right um i like the pouring the beer into sand, uh sandman's eyes or into raven's eyes and um i didn't mind the end i mean it's there's still like we kind of already did the like did stevie who did stevie kick and what was his intentions we kind of already mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. that part so it's kind of like man but it's it's clear i don't think it's really <laughs> it's not a really question like joey's investigating things that they don't don't need it to be investigated we're we're all on board with what stevie's doing so i did two and three quarter stars
1: All right. Joey takes us through what we just saw between Stevie and Raven and tries to break down the intent again. And that brings us to our final match of the night. Pitbull 2 taking on Brian Lee. We join it as it gets underway with both guys throwing fists. Pitbull 2 knifing through Lee using the chain and taking him outside the ring with a spin heel kick. Lee comes back and goes low and slings Pitbull 2 outside. Back inside, Lee plants people Two with a Choke Slam. people Two pops up and charges, but walks into a boot and eats a second Choke Slam, and this one keeps him down. Lee slugs away some more, but people Two comes firing back and buckles Lee into the corner. Triple Threat come out and attack Pitbull 2 for the disqualification, and the assault is on. Gary Wolf comes out. He cleans house to a pop. Dreamer's out, too, and he and the Pitbulls clear the ring. Wolf grabs Francine, but Douglas saves her before things can get bad. Douglas punches Pitbull 1 in the back of the neck, and he crumples to the corner. He's yelling about his neck as Pitbull 2 blocks him and takes a beating to protect his partner. The Triple Threat finally leave, but the masked man appears in the ring and says Shane has something he wants. He can send him the woman, and the masked man will let him go free. Shane whispers to Francine and sends her to the ring as a triple threat laugh in the aisle. The masked man makes his move, but Mike Awesome comes in. The masked man ducks a punch and hits a rude awakening neckbreaker, does a hip swivel to a huge pop. Francine bails out, and Shane yells, It's him. What more do we need to see as we fade out? So, again, not really a match, just a slugfest until the post match, which is red hot. The Pitbulls and Dreamer are reunited as a unit. The feud continues to rage on. And we will see if Wolf's neck can uh, hold up or if it's back back in bad shape after the punch. Uh, The Masked Man is really starting to dig in on Shane now, too. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Jenny, what did you think of our final match here tonight?
2: I I liked it. Um, Pretty standard as far as the actual match. And then once you get all the run-ins, it starts uh, getting really interesting. Um, I really like Pipple too, standing over one and just taking all those hits um protecting him in the corner i thought that was really great um and i'm also very worried about number one's neck um i like the mask man a lot um we, we got some major clues i think on uh his mm-hmm. identity mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. to this point um but i'm still not going to spoil it but i did one and a half stars matt
0: yeah, I went one on this. Uh, this is one of those matches where you knew the interference was coming. It was just a matter of uh, how long were they going to go uh, before the interference. And it turns out not very long. So uh, I went one star because of that. And the post match was, uh, was fantastic. I loved Shane freaking the fuck out after the, uh, the neckbreaker. I thought that was great. And uh, yeah, just a molten hot ending uh, to this episode.
2: I like Shane sending Francine Over mm-hmm. Too mm-hmm. I like that
1: Yeah try to prove Mm-hmm. Pro- on this Or Potentially <laughs> Uh best match We have uh, Sandman well. Versus Raven <laughs> Uh yeah Yep Worst match Brian Lee And Pitbull too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep
1: Uh best moment I want Taz's promo Oh
2: no I got a Gileterry go Funk's promo
0: Yeah uh, uh, I would probably Lean Funk there But it's real close <laughs>
1: Uh, the most 90s The Scranton Camp Catholic Youth Center And Lori's uh, plaid dress Yeah I'll Yeah, like that dress. yeah the, the Al Borland dress mm-hmm. uh, Stock Rising Triple Threat Funk, Taz, and the BWO mm.
2: Pipple
0: 2 uh, Do we add the unnamed masked man yet?
2: Yeah I would Okay
1: uh, Stock Falling I'm with the Rookie
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah definitely and uh, final grade, a, a solid episode uh, for me. I went six out of ten. We had the great promos, but not really much in the ring. Um, you know, stuff happened. It is really just kind of getting us to crossing the line again, which is our next big show.
2: Is that the name of it? Crossing the line again?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well,
2: I'm gonna do six and
0: a half. I think i Yeah, I went. Uh, I went six on this
1: one. Okay all right well that'll do it for us tonight uh and in two weeks we'll be back with crossing the line again 1997 it's our next show and uh we'll continue to move on through early 1997 marching toward our first pay-per-view so that's to come uh matt anything you want to talk about going on
0: you can find me over on the place to be nation wrestling feed on uh highway to the impact zone i'm usually on every other episode of that uh you can find me on every episode of youtube Roulette. Uh, and over on the pop feed you can find me on my show that I host piece of the action and you can find me on the Twitter machine at MSUSA 1991
2: Jenny all, all my shows are here on the North South connection uh, Not all of them but a lot of them um, on Wednesdays is the Jenny position which is uh, freak out drive in talk and pop the journey through infinity uh, you heard about Pluto and uh, any any one of those shows that I make I um, and you can find
1: me on Twitter at Jenny no so pod NoSoPodNetwork on Twitter. Continue to check out everything we have to offer in the North-South Connection. Content dropping every day, one show a day. Um, you know, Both classic wrestling, current wrestling, and a little bit beyond as well, like Jenny just mentioned on Wednesdays. Uh, tons of content. We appreciate you rating and reviewing and sharing and all that good stuff and just being dedicated this. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you in 2 weeks. Stay safe.